1: celebrating Joanna Angel and her novel Night Shift, a choose-your-own-erotic fantasy. Joanna Angel is an adult film star, director, producer, author, and owner of the Burning Angel Empire, the company known for the emergence and prevalence of tattooed women in the adult film industry. Today the company has a network of websites, hundreds of DVDs to its credit, and over 50 adult industry awards, including best porn star website, Best Comedy, and many more. Angel has appeared in the New York Times, Newsweek, The Village Voice, Forbes Magazine, and is a regular columnist for AskMen.com. Forward Reviews described Joanna's writing as truly special, candy-sweet, and easy to enjoy erotica in a lively, explorable format. Award-winning adult performer and director, Angela White, described Night Shift as doing more than simply facilitating erotic escapism. Joanna Angel is a brilliant writer who explores deep subject matter such as gender and sexual identity, acceptance, and rejection, while remaining funny, optimistic, and sex positive. We're delighted to have her here tonight to read and discuss Night Shift, so please help me welcome Joanna Angel.
0: Hello, everyone. Good evening. Thank you so much for coming. Um, this is my very first novel. Um, I've been writing my whole life. It's something I've always really loved to do. Um, ever since I was in high school, I've always taken writing workshops. I used to read at open mic nights and I wouldn't really tell anyone about it. Um, <laughs> I've always kept a journal, and uh, writing has always been a big part of my life. So it's kind of strange that I went to school for writing, then did porn for 15 years, and somehow wound up writing a book that way. Um, But yeah, this book is called Night Shift. It's a fiction. It's a choose-your-own-adventure book. So there's several different stories in the book and several different paths. Um, It's kind of difficult to decide which one I should read, but... um, I'm going to start pretty much from the beginning and just read a couple pages. And um, afterwards, I'll answer whatever questions you guys might want to ask. (laughs) Okay. All right. That will be $3,462.29. Sparkly butt plugs of various sizes, rainbow thigh-high socks, and lime green penis lollipops line up on my counter, and the pile is still growing. The entourage of Tinkerbells still not done with their horny shopping spree. This had to be the most colorful pile of debauchery I had ever seen. But then again, I've only been working here for a week. It's my sixth day working as a cashier at Dreams, an adult, and novelty, an adult video and novelty shop located inside of a strip mall on Highway 19 in Pasco County, Florida. A scenic road known for its unusually high number of pedestrian deaths and um, porn stores. I was hesitant about accepting the job here for a lot of reasons. One of them being the oncoming traffic. Another was that I was worried somebody I knew would run into me here. It's not that I have any aversion to dildos, adult DVDs, and little booths to masturbate in, but I don't exactly have an all-consuming passion for it either. I'm not a virgin, but I can count the, ti- I can count the times I've had sex on one hand. A self-imposed, friendless, and sexless life combined with a cum laude degree In English from a state university was supposed to lead to a dream job in academia. Yet here I stand behind a register ringing up lube at the crack of dawn thanks to a shitty economy and an influx of girls who loved Jane Austen in middle school and also decided to pursue English teaching degrees. However, dreams does have 70 different kinds of lube. I had no idea there were 70 different ways to moisten up your genitals. That's just not something you learn while deconstructing the Canterbury tales. My first week at the store had actually been pretty bland until Jimmy walked in on my first Friday night. He recognized me immediately, which isn't so surprising because I barely changed anything about myself other than being a few pounds heavier than I used to be. Jimmy looked completely different. He used to sport a long, greasy ponytail, which was now a very well manicured, bleached faux hawk. He was also now covered in tattoos, one of which was a portrait of his very own face, and was wearing excessive giant pieces of jewelry, things that Joan Rivers would have called statement pieces. A giant dollar sign necklace certainly says a statement to me, and that statement was, I can pay my rent? and my bills, and have lots of money left over for anything I could ever want. Jimmy entered the store with a group of incredibly attractive female disciples. It was 5.30 a.m. I presume the sun was rising, but there aren't any windows in the store, so I wouldn't know. The girls looked like mini-me versions of Jimmy, also with multicolored hair and tattoos, wearing various neon-colored tutus, flat bracelets, where did they even find those? Weren't they outlawed in like 1986? Fuzzy leg warmers and platform sneakers. Their eyes were large and bloodshot. I imagine they are on some kind of designer drugs that only famous people have access to. This motley crew of rainbow bright puke slipped around the store and swooped up anything shiny they could penetrate or vibrate themselves with. They plopped the objects on the checkout counter with glee, while Jimmy watched them from the front of the store, nodding in approval. Once they were done, Jimmy strutted over to me. His focus trained on preparing his wallet for the transaction, but he immediately did a double-take when he looked up. Taryn? he asked, surprised. Uh, yeah. Hey, I wasn't quite sure how to play this off, because... He'd been in the store for at least 30 minutes, and I didn't want to say hi to him unless he said hi to me first. Damn, I haven't seen you in a minute. It had actually been about six years, but I suppose when your life is a constant drug and sex rush that time has a completely different meaning. Yeah, well, I see posters of you all over the place, so I've been seeing you. Congrats on everything. I guess when you told everyone you were dropping out of high school to be a famous DJ, you were really on to something. A short, skinny girl, dressed like Betty Boop from the wrong side of the tracks, interrupted this awkward reunion by plopping down a tiny, precious Swarski crystal butt plug on the counter. "'I want this, too,' she said, batting her eyes at Jimmy. I was still new there, and I'm not entirely sure how to converse with the customers.' Was I supposed to act as though I was ringing up laundry detergent at Walgreens, totally nonchalant? Or was being a slight amount of sleazy the professional thing to do? I received about 45 minutes worth of training for this job from the owner of the store who happened to be drunk on her own batch of moonshine at the time. Half the items Jimmy and his minions wanted weren't tagged properly, so I made up prices based on how expensive things kind of looked. So... $249.99 seemed about right for this butt plug. The amount of money I made in a week, going straight into an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) This looks like quite the adventure, I said, in a very grandma-esque tone. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha, yeah, well, we're celebrating because I dropped a new single tonight, Jimmy said. Well... I said, I hope someone picked it up for you. I nervously replied, God damn it. (laughs) Fortunately, I don't think he heard my horribly lame joke. Either that or he heard it and ignored it, which was a completely appropriate thing to do. That will be $3,462.29, I said. This didn't faze him at all. He handed me a credit card, just one credit card, without a blink of an eye. Damn, my college books were about $3,000, and I used to always spread them amongst three different credit cards along with a handful of cash. Oh yeah, and an hour in room four, please, he said, just before I finished ringing everything up. In my entire week-long employment here, no one had asked me for one of the rooms before. Oh wait, I mean rooms with a Z. That's what they're called here. The letter Z apparently exudes a sexiness in which I don't understand. They never taught me that in college. Dreams is supposed to be a store where your wildest fantasies come true. People are encouraged to purchase whatever they want in the store and use their purchase in one of the rooms. There are televisions screening adult films, giant bats of lube you can access with a pump, and plenty of tissues on my first day here, I mistakenly thought the lube was hand sanitizer, a mistake I've made sure not to repeat since it left my hands incredibly incredibly slippery without any purpose of penetration all day. I'm supposed to say, would you like to make your dreams come true after every purchase as an upsell to get people to purchase time in one of the rooms? But I hadn't been doing that. I figured if somebody wanted one, they would ask. Clearly, this was not Jimmy's First time there, considering he already knew what room number he wanted. At forty-nine ninety-nine an hour, the room was the biggest and most expensive the store had to offer. In addition to the Kleenex and the television sets that looped random pornographic films, it had a leopard print ottoman and mirrors on the ceiling. It seemed perfect for the extreme types of people who came into the store. The narcissistic nymphomaniacs the sneaking spouses, the self-hating, sexually deprived folks who couldn't get laid elsewhere, or anyone else who has money and just wants to do it in a semi-public space. Like they say, dreams do come true. I opened the register and I grabbed the key for room number four. It was a tiger-striped key, which appropriately complemented the ottoman. There was only one key per room, not a master key or anything as far as I knew. So whoever held the key held the power to control who and what were allowed in the appropriate den of debauchery. So, since this is um, choose your own adventure, (laughs) we can choose what next part I read. Um, And I'll just read a little bit more. So, we can take a
1: vote.
0: (laughs) If you would like the key to go to Jimmy, the DJ um, That is one option And the other option is to give the key To the girls So
1: Girls
0: But if you buy the book you should read
1: both
0: <laughs> Okay Then I will turn to the girls chapter This gets a little dirty Okay. am just warning you <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I opened the cash register and grabbed the key for room 4, and I handed it to the fairy with the largest wings in the group. In this collection of fairy tale creatures, the big wings just screamed authority to me. <sighs> The fairy with the big wings grabbed another fairy with much smaller wings along with a girl dressed like a slutty unicorn and another girl who was not dressed as part of the animal kingdom at all and looked more like a Jersey Shore Kim Kardashian type. They all giggled and sprinted into the room and locked the door. Jimmy was lethargic and didn't realize what was happening. He was lost in deep concentration staring at the back of a DVD box cover for a movie titled School of Black Cock No. 3. After 17 consecutive years of schooling and a very large student loan eating up half of my very small paychecks, I couldn't ever possibly imagine getting aroused by any pornographic film that reminded me of school. He dropped out so early that I could see how he was nostalgic about classrooms and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure what to do here. I pretended to be busy rearranging a display case, but then I actually realized, that the display case truly did need some different products in there. These dildos looked like they were from the 90s. Was there an expiration date on dildos? Does the material erode over time? Hey, uh, where did everyone go? Jimmy shouted. I wasn't actually sure if the question was directed at me, but there was no one else to answer. I looked away from the retro dildos to address him. Um... The girls are, um, in the room. I'm sorry. Everything kind of happened fast. I gave the fairy the key because I thought she was in charge, and I'm sorry. Um, you paid for the room. I shouldn't have done that. I'm still new here. I I didn't think, shit, for real, though, he replied. I had no idea how to respond. This was such a bizarre fragment of a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, maybe you can just knock on the door and they'll let you in, or... I can give you your own room if you want. No extra cost. They'll learn their lesson. I had deja vu of my mother who attempted to console me after I was stood up by my prom date. Coincidentally, that prom was also Jimmy's first DJ gig. I found solace in the fact that whether you're covered in acne or you're covered in tattoos, you still have an equal chance of getting rejected. It's all good, whatever. Yeah, that's the right attitude. It's their loss, really. I paused. Sometimes, I just feel like I can't stop talking. I have this way of making uncomfortable moments so much worse by opening my mouth, but I can't stop it. Not like I would know, I mean, yeah, I can just tell, you would be great in there and like, they'll be really sorry. Am I channeling my mother and, again, I am channeling my mother and nobody's mother belongs at a porn store at (laughs) 6am. Let me get a peek, yo, he said. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to be keeping an eye on them, I think, technically. I'm not supposed to show customers the security camera, but since we're like friends and like you've paid for the room, I think it's fine, I said very uncertainly. I invited Jimmy behind the register and I sharpened the contrast on the old television monitor as much as I possibly could. If only I had some popcorn, this could have been like the high school date we never had. Mm. The girls seemed to be enjoying themselves. I was tuning in a bit late. They were all naked, aside from the wings and the leg warmers, a unicorn beanie, and the more conventional-looking girl who didn't dress up like any mythical creature had her VIP laminated badge with Jimmy's face on it, dangling between her incredibly large and very obviously unnatural perky breasts. I like that she showed her loyalty to Jimmy in some sort of way, even though, she, even though he spent $4,000 and wasn't even in the room. The two fairies got on all fours and shoved their asses towards the unicorn and the Jersey Shore girl and began the process of inserting their crystal butt plugs inside of themselves. The fairies helped each other by touching each other's clits and rubbing lube on each other's assholes. The other two girls stared at them with amazement and applauded their anal abilities. Jimmy gave his own applause on the other side of the store. Butt plugs truly brought joy to people in a way that I never knew. (laughs) The fairies shook their asses and kissed each other. One fairy licked the other fairy's ass and it was sparkly and erotic and it was so dazzling. I had never really seen an accessorized asshole, and it was quite beautiful. (laughs) The Jersey Shore girl appeared shy but curious. She tugged at the unicorn's nipple rings and played around with her meaty clit ring in amazement. The unicorn's clit ring was incredibly thick. It looked heavy, like a giant silver weight dangling off her pussy. I didn't know clit rings came in so many various sizes like that. The Jersey girl's shyness disappeared. She relaxed as her eyes went into the back of her head. She grabbed onto onto fairy number two's ass for balance, and the fairy rubbed her clit with her own fingers while grabbing onto the unicorn's tits, and all with the butt plug still inside of her. Jimmy rubbed his crotch. I could see a boner poking from the inside of his pants. I had to admit, I was a little wet, too. What an advantage we have as women that we can be so secretive about our own perversions. (laughs) I don't envy a large metal-like rod that told the world when we were aroused. But he didn't seem to care. I suppose not having an erection at this moment would be a lot worse. His eyes were glued to the TV. The unicorn grabbed the VIP badge with Jimmy's face on it that was around the Jersey Shore girl's neck and kissed her ferociously as the Hitachi was still on her clip. Everyone seemed so, de- so determined to make this girl have an orgasm. Perhaps once she had one she would turn into a unicorn or a fairy too? Jimmy reached for his cock underneath his pants and he began pleasuring himself behind the register. I'm not quite sure if this was allowed, but I didn't think it was illegal. I mean, Jimmy was a local hero. He pushed buttons on laptops at nightclubs that most covers, (laughs) he pushed buttons on laptops at nightclubs that cost over $50 to get into. It was an honor to have him rub his own cock underneath his oversized pants in the middle of our store. (laughs) Right? The fairy with the smaller wings lied down and the other fairy wrapped her legs around her head and sat on her face. The unicorn followed suit and laid the Jersey Shore girl down and sat on her face with the back massager still glued to her clit. Mm-hmm. The fairies morphed into a 69 and licked and fingered each other progressively with, a more, with more and more fingers inside of each other's pussy until every part of their hands had disappeared. It was intense. They continued until they both started pulsating on each other's hands. Holy shit, I noticed a small fountain of squirt came out of one of the fairy's bigger wings. Vagina. Jimmy continued to touch himself. The Jersey Shore girl then shook uncontrollably with the unicorn's pussy in her mouth. The back massager had broken her down and given her a greater orgasm than anybody else's. The fairies licked their juices off their fingers and the unicorn seemed satisfied to have come inside such a perfect pair of collagen-injected lips. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy, well, he rubbed himself to completion successfully without even taking his pants off. I ran to the bachelorette section of the shop and I pulled out a tuggy, a.k.a. a fuzzy sock that fits on your cock. A sock cock, if you will. I offered it to him as a complimentary gift. I thought it would be a comfortable alternative to wear it for the ride home as opposed to his stained pants. There was a neon green one that I thought suited his style quite well. (laughs) The girls laughed and poured out some various powders on the table that they snorted through penis straws that were meant for bachelorette parties. (laughs) They took their time getting ready. They did, after all, have about 13 minutes left of room left. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to call you a cab or something? I asked Jimmy. Nah, he said. I got a limo outside. Yeah, of course you did. (laughs) And uh, and that's it. (laughs) just a very small snippet of the book. I read um, like 16 pages and it's a 300 page book. So. <laughs> um, I, I guess I'll open it up for questions. Does anybody have any questions that you might want to ask me about me or Jimmy or unicorns? Um, Hi. <laughs> Hi, How are you? I'm fine. I seem to remember buying a book from you two or three years ago at one of the AVNs. How long has this one been out? Um, this one, I like literally came out yesterday, so <laughs> um, if you would have bought a book for me, I, I have written chapters in a few other books. I never had written a whole book that was um, all me, so it could have been um, a chapter. Like a book that was a collection of stories. I've been in a couple of those.
1: Okay, maybe I'm thinking of something else. All I know is I didn't have time to look for it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, but this is my first
1: novel that I've nope. Nope. written. On me. It's actually
0: the first thing I've written. I mean, other than the porn scripts that I write. Like, <laughs> that's, that's fiction. Um, most of the writing I've done has been been like very like autobiographical. I'm a little bit surprised. What are you I don't think surprised to? Never at? seen your hair quite that short and all one color. Yeah, well, New Year, <laughs> me. <laughs> I ran on of hair dye.
1: Well, you know, I still <laughs> know. What's your favorite character in the book? What? What's your favorite character?
0: I don't know. Um, there's so many different characters in this book, and I love all of them in so many different ways. Um, and I hope that people get to explore them all. Although I guess I have to be partial. There is one part of the book when Joanna Angel comes into the store. <laughs> so I guess she'd have to be my favorite.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I believe that Joanna Angel character because she seemed a little bit.
0: She was a bitch. bitch. Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: not a character. You know,
0: the Joanna Angel character in the story was like, um, you know. I've been a director now for quite some time, like you, Angela, and um, it was sort of my own uh, way of combining all the diva attitudes I've seen on set over the years. <laughs> and I got to uh, i got to be the diva <laughs> for a minute. For Ben. It was for Ben. <laughs> so I made Joanna Angel a
1: real pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that this book is fiction. Is there any autobiography? parts
0: of it or is it like pure? I mean, they're all the characters are based off of people I've met, you know, or just, I, like I said, I've always been a writer so a lot of times I meet people and I just make my own stories about them in my head, you know, and, and you know, from being in porn for so long you, you travel a lot, like you meet a lot of people, you know, when you meet fans or you do signings or appearances, you know, like a lot of the people in the book are either based off of friends of mine or people I've met over time or just people I've kind of come into contact with but i don't think anything in the book is is like actually based on a true story they're just kind of like so based on real people but you never yeah. worked
1: in an adult program. i
0: never worked in an, an adult <laughs> store no and um actually the main character taryn um i do have a friend named taryn and um she used to work in an adult store and she was actually one of my first like Fans. I remember, um, I'm dating myself now, she used to message me on MySpace. I
1: don't
0: know, so I am really old. <laughs> um, and she used to message me on MySpace, and she was like a... I think she was 20 or 21 at the time. And she would be like, hey, I, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, and I work at the Hustler store in Florida. And she'd be like, oh, and I just want you to know, like, your DVDs are here, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, cool, like, it's nice to meet you. And she was really cute, and we just started talking. And then um, I'd be like, oh, cool, well, thanks for carrying my stuff. And then she would just keep messaging me and tell me, like, funny stories while all the people that came into the store. And I don't know. So I guess I kind of thought of that as, like, the main character for the book. But, but Taryn in the book is very uh, similar to how I was when um, I first graduated college. Only, I guess, instead of working at a porn store, I worked in actual porn (laughs) but the um, the naivety of the character is very similar to how I was and sometimes I feel like I still am but um yeah Um, anybody else
1: want to ask anything Yes? So it seems like writing Choose Your Own Adventures would be a lot different from anything else you write because what, there's like seven that does different storylines?
0: Like, yeah. How did you, how did you approach I that? mean, it was difficult. Um, it was difficult to do. And yeah, I, I guess um, I had to write like a very clear outline and then I had to kind of write a map and be like, okay, this character goes here and goes here and then are these characters going to cross? Um, the hardest part about writing it was keeping track of everything because sometimes I would like, I would forget like, which characters appeared in which story, you know, or I would reference something, and I'd be like, oh shit, do they, do they even know what this is? Do I have to go over it? You know, like, kind of keeping track of what you already said and what you didn't say in that um, particular path, or not knowing, like, what you had to reintroduce again, because when you write a 300-page book, when you get to page, like, 150, you don't even remember what you wrote on page one anymore, <laughs> you know? Um, but, um, yeah, you know, like, uh, I had very helpful um, editors and copy editors, you know, who would point things out to me, and that was, I, I couldn't have done this book without them, you know, they would be like, oh, you said there was no windows in the store, and then on page 85, you mentioned the windows, like, what do you want to do about this? i like, god damn, like, <laughs> I remember. So, it's difficult, um, you know, writing a novel and you write it over the course of a long time, like, and you're kind of changing as the book is changing, and it's it's this crazy thing. But uh, but it was really 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 fun to do, and I I really enjoyed writing fiction. It's something I never really um, conquered before, and I think I think a lot of people in the industry we like we like to write about ourselves, you know, because it's it's something we all know and something we're comfortable with and something we have a frame of reference for. But writing fiction, I think it was such a it was such a great exercise, I felt like I went on a vacation, you know, like I felt like I got to invent people and then give them lives and give them things to do and thoughts and it's it's a really, it's a cool thing and I think it's something that like everyone should do when they're feeling kind of stuck, you know, because you get to really like engross yourself in somebody else's life and it's it's exciting, you know. Now I'm kind of bummed, these people don't exist, but I feel like they're all my friends.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I like a lot on your porn seats you know that it's uh, the funny intros and setups. Yeah. And I like the, the few pictures you just Thank you, read. Steve. Um, do you have any plans or did you think about uh, turning this into a movie or a series of movies? I mean,
0: I, I hope so. Look, there's um, this movie, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's called Fifty Shades of Grey,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and it's like doing pretty well. <laughs> So it would be cool if um, whoever called that woman and asked her to make a movie would call me, too. Um, if you, any of you know that person, just give them my number. Um, but we'll see, you know? Like, I could always make it a movie for myself, but it would be really cool to picture this as, like... I mean, because I've been writing scripts for the past 15 years, um, I, I wrote this with a very visual, you know, story in mind, um, and as a porn producer or like an indie movie maker, the most exciting thing about writing a book that I had a hard time um, wrapping my brain around was like, you know, when you're making porn, your biggest uh, issue is always the budget. <laughs> and um, it was really crazy to think that like, oh, No matter how many people I put in this scene, or no matter where they go, it's not going to cost extra money. (laughs) Like, I'm so used to thinking of stories that happen in a house because that's all I can afford to happen. (laughs) Or maybe, if it's a giant feature, it can happen in a bar. (laughs) But never can they go out in public. You know, never can I really think of fantasies that happen like, out, like, there's a part of the book where, where I had characters go to, like, a fair, you know, and, like, just going out to different places. It was, like, very exciting for me as somebody who's been confined to three people in a bedroom. <laughs> 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 for, um, and it was hard for me to even wrap my brain around it at first. I was like, oh, no, I can just, anyone can come into this store that I want to come into this store, and it's not going to cost it. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's something that only producers can really understand but it was a very funny thing for me to like get through my brain. I was like, oh, these people can do anything. <laughs> they can go anywhere and all it is is extra words. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. Um, what made you choose, want to do choose your own adventure
0: instead of just like a regular... Um, you know, I'd love to like, lie and take all the credit. Um, but when I first got the book deal, it was actually the publishing company's choice, and they, they brought it up to me. Um, and I loved the idea. I thought it was a uh, really exciting. So they they said that um, they wanted to to do a choose-your-own-adventure erotic novel, and they thought that I'd be a good person to write it. Um, and then they just asked me to come up with different ideas that could work with that format. So a porn store just was the first thing that popped into my brain because... Um, like what I love about like any experience I've had at adult stores or at strip clubs it's like so many different types of people come in there and I think that like society really thinks there's only one type of person that goes in there every time you think of your strip club customer or your average like person that walks into a porn store people think it's like this old lonely guy that hasn't gotten laid in 20 years and like That guy will come in, but, (laughs) like, 50 different other kinds of people will too, you know, and um, I really wanted to, like, show people all the different types of people that come to, into, you know, that, that want to be around sex, you know.
1: I didn't know I was in the
0: book. (laughs) You're not Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Wanna,
1: mm, yeah. Is there a specific audience that you had in mind, or an audience that you hope reads the book and gets
0: something out of it? Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. Like, uh, I did ask the publishing company when I first started writing this. Um, it was actually something that I don't think anyone would have guessed. Um, like, I wrote, I had to write a few chapters, you know, when I first started, and show it to them before I moved on to make sure that the tone was right, and it was actually... Um, it was very strange because this is like a pretty like high-end publishing company where everybody works behind a desk and wears like floral skirts and has glasses and stuff. And like um, <laughs> I like was presenting the chapter to them, and the the thing that I was kind of arguing with them about for a while is they were like, it has to be dirtier, it has to be dirtier. Like we need more filth, you know, more description, more of this, more sex. I was like, really? That's so strange that you guys are telling the porn star to be <laughs> Um And I was like, why does it have to be so filthy? <laughs> and they were like, oh, well, like, lots of like, housewives and stuff masturbate to these books. And I was like, I, I didn't know that people still masturbated to books. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I guess when I'm thinking of my demographic, I'm, I'm probably, you know, thinking of the same people that watch my porn, you know? Like, I like to make a lot of pop cultural references, you know, I like to be very like, very topical, um, you know, appealing to people, I don't even know what the young demographic is anymore, I'm almost 40 and I still think I'm young, so I don't know, I'm thinking like age 25 to 50, you know, but like people that watch movies and listen to music and have a sense of humor, And you know what I mean, I think that was more what I was going for than like the, the housewife that... I don't know the way they describe the housewife. I have a lot of cool housewife friends. <laughs> um, you know, I I I'd love for this book to be like some kind of piece of pop culture, and that's what I wanted when I first started making porn. I remember watching other adult movies, and even though I liked a lot of the adult movies I watched, I still felt like they like existed on this different plane of existence where like current like fashion and music and just things that you relate with just weren't in there. Um, and when I first started making porn, I wanted to you know bring those things to the table and um, like like open the window a little bit like be like oh this is like this is happening somewhere you know um, and then that's kind of what I wanted to do with the book just to relate it to things that are in people's lives today that makes sense <laughs> cool people what cool people are this book <laughs> here's a cool question <laughs> uh, so with the Me
1: Too movement and everything People even going so far as to criticize dating experiences and stuff like that. Do you think female sexuality is getting redefined in the process, or how do you
0: feel? I mean, I, I, you know, um, I think female sexuality is always being redefined. And if you think of like your typical woman in the 1950s, you know, to the typical woman that is now, like, I mean, it's it's vastly changed. Um, It's hard to mix, you know, like, we're talking about the Me Too movement, we're talking about, like, you know, very dark and uncomfortable things that have happened, and I wouldn't want to, like, I don't, you know, I don't want to, like, mix that in with consensual fun sexuality, you know what I mean, and I, I don't really know how to, like, relate one to the other, but I do think that women have become more comfortable and just more confident to to know their sexuality better than they used to, and they don't feel like their sexuality has to be defined by a man. You know, they can decide it for themselves, and they don't have to wait and have somebody else tell them what's sexy and what's not sexy. I think that, you know... (laughs) um, And I was uh, guilty of that. I I mean, I I didn't, like... I, I didn't, like, masturbate until, like... Like, uh like, a man told me that it would be sexy if I did, you know, like, I didn't, I didn't really know anything about myself sexually until, like, men kind of pointed it out over the years, and I I think my younger years would have been different if I was a little more open and was able to, like, explore that stuff myself, and, um, I, I definitely think the younger generation are, like, a lot more knowledgeable and a lot more confident, and, you know, obviously there's good things and bad things that come with the evolution of sexuality, you know, like, Obviously, a lot more things are out there, and you know, the world in general is a little more dangerous, but I do think as somebody who directs more, and I've seen people change over time, like, your 19-year-old today is really confident and really strong and really, like, knowledgeable, and some people might find that scary, but I, I think it's been a pretty, pretty positive thing, and I, I think it's definitely a good thing for women. Anyway, uh, I'll take one last question, yeah. but it has to be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, we don't need any questions. All right, no questions. <laughs> thank you so much for coming, everyone. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you, for, uh, so much. This is such a great book um, And in, in in writing this book, I mean, uh, the Cheshire and Adventure Woman is a little bit of a retro tip of the hat Um, and in the book I do think like your old school adult video stores are like kind of becoming a retro thing and I do think like bookstores like this I love that they exist and um, you know last night I was in a Barnes and Nobles and something like this is so much cooler
1: and I'm just very happy
0: you've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great
1: podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.